The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we begin a new series entitled Mortifying Your Members. In Colossians chapter 3, we begin reading about the way in which we should live in the kingdom of God. After reminding us that we should seek those things which are above, Paul goes on to tell this church there are some things we need to mortify in our lives. The word mortify literally means to murder. There are some things we need to kill off in our lives. Join us today as we begin looking at this idea of mortifying our members, which is the starting point of kingdom living. And we'll continue seeing through this series that not only should we mortify some things, we're also to put off some things, and we're to put on some things. Only by doing this can we live in a way that's profitable in the kingdom of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
if you will, to the third chapter of Colossians. The third chapter of the book of Colossians. This morning I want to preach to you about murdering your members. Murdering your members. You know, murder is against the law and it's against the commandments of God, except when it comes to this particular point that we're going to see here in the book of Colossians. You know, I spent most of last year preaching about the foundational doctrines of the church from our articles of faith, and that's extremely necessary from time to time. And sometimes we get in this idea that there are practical sermons and then there are doctrinal sermons, and and I will grant you there are sermons that often are more focused upon doctrine and others more focused upon practical things and living, practical living. But I submit to you that no sermon could ever be strictly practical or strictly doctrinal because our practice must be based upon doctrine. And our doctrine must provoke us to the right practice in our lives, you see. So the biblical concept is that these are interrelated. But I feel the need, uh, I've felt it for some time, since we've laid the foundation. And let me encourage you, if you weren't here for much of that uh, preaching on our doctrines, on our articles of faith, to go back. They're on our website. They're on our podcast. Go back and listen to those from time to time. That's the, the good thing about having a website and having a podcast and being able to put these sermons up is that you can go back and listen to them if you weren't here or you had to miss for whatever reason. But I encourage you to go back because those doctrinal foundations are so important. But I felt the need for some time to move into another sort of category, if you will, and that is not so much the foundational doctrines upon which the kingdom of God is is built, but upon kingdom of God living, kingdom living, living and, and, and operating how we should function in the kingdom of God. And when I say the kingdom of God, I'm speaking, of course, of the visible aspect of that kingdom. We certainly know that there's a kingdom of God that that includes every single elect child of God wherever they are. But every single elect child of God is not in church on Sunday morning. (laughs) Many are not here. The the visible aspect of the kingdom is that church that the Lord left us. That's what he meant when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's it's here. It is near. It It is available to you as it is to us today here at this church that we can come together and sort of come out from the world and be separate, you see. That's what the kingdom of God concept is all about. And when we do that, there's a concept of kingdom living. You see, that, that concept is missing in many ways from most churches today. The idea in most churches, you just show up, maybe drop a little money in the plate, get it over with, and then go back out into the real world. Okay, That's kind of the idea of church today. I'll go to my small group. I'll go to my big gathering and then I'll just go back to real life. Well, beloved, I want to say to you, that's not the biblical concept of the kingdom of God. The biblical concept of the kingdom of God is that the kingdom is within us. It permeates everything that we do. We don't jump into the kingdom on Sunday and then jump out on Monday. We don't bring to the kingdom the things that we have in the world. You know, this is kind of the idea I've heard one time uh, somebody talking about somebody that they wanted to ordain as a deacon. And they said this, they said, 
Oh, he's a great businessman. He'll be a great deacon. <laughs> Let me tell you, beloved, sometimes the great businessmen make horrible deacons <laughs> because they're caught up with the ideas of the business world. You know, the idea of the business world is get all you can, can all you make, and sit on the lid, <laughs> you know, so that nobody can take it away from you. And see, the idea of the kingdom of God is not that we're out there trying to overpower and overcome others. The idea of the kingdom of God is that we are servants. We are, we're the least. You know who's the greatest in this church? It's not the one that gives the most money. It's not the one who has the most degrees. It's the one who serves the most. It's, you know, that's why David could say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper a doorkeeper in the house of God, than to dwell, that is to make my living and have my focus in the tents of the wicked, you see. So the idea of the kingdom of God and kingdom living is not that we just drop into church every so often or once a week or however often we do it and then go back out into the real world. As, as Jesus said, turn with me over to Luke chapter, seven, uh, chapter 17. And let's just read it here. Let's, let, I can tell you about it, but it's better if I can read it to you. Luke chapter 17 and verse 20, it says, When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. See, they're, they're doing like a lot of people today still are. When is the kingdom coming? When, when is it, you know, there's a future kingdom. There's something coming. There's going to be a kingdom one day. Beloved, Jesus dissuaded them of this idea right here. They said, when is the kingdom coming? They thought he was going to set up a rule, and a, a political kingdom here on this earth. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words, there's no outward show of the kingdom of God. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. See, the kingdom of God is within you. And, and, and it's that kingdom that is within us and that the visible aspect of is the church that we're talking about this morning. You know, Paul twice calls himself and us ambassadors over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative of the king. Our ambassadors that we send over to these foreign countries, they're representatives of our government here in the United States of America. Child of God, you are an ambassador of Christ. Everywhere you go and everything you do, you are representing Christ. And the question is, are you representing him well? Or are you doing like I do sometimes and kind of failing and missing the mark? You know, it's really true. It's really true that the only Christ some people ever see is you. That's a true statement. Some people never read the scriptures. They've never darkened the door of a church. All they know is you. And me. And my question to you again is, if, if, the, if, if you are representing Christ, if I am representing Christ, how good a job are we doing? How good a, is there a difference? Or do we just fit in with everybody else out there in the world? And I want to say to you, child of God, we definitely, in my opinion, we definitely live in a post-Christian society. You know, there was a time when our society was, even those who didn't claim to be religious, were primarily focused on and built upon Christian values to guide us. But that's no longer the case. But we need to know what the Lord says about these matters. You know, you know Hosea told 
the people of God over there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God, he's, he's speaking on God's behalf. It's God speaking through Hosea. In Hosea 4 and verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. My people. Why, why, is, why is this society and this culture so broken down? According to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it's not really the fault of the reprobate. It's not really the fault of the wicked, unregenerate out there. According to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, God said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. See, the burden's not on us to get them to do right. The burden's on us to make ourselves do right. That's the struggle. That's the problem I have. I get frustrated by what's going on in the world. I get frustrated by the homosexual agenda, by those that are trying to tear down the family. I get frustrated by the pro-abortion, pro-choice forces, all those things. I get frustrated by those in Washington who are so far uh, opposite in the things they're promoting, so far opposite to the Scripture, but they're not really the problem. <laughs> the problem is us. We need to focus our attention upon our lives and humble ourselves and pray you know, sometimes I tend to, all I want to do is about, especially Washington, D.C., is I just want to fuss about it. You know, I just get mad about it. I just get upset about it. I don't read anywhere. I've scoured these scriptures. I had not found one place yet where it says, get mad and cuss them out. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's just not in here. You're not going to find it. Don't cuss about it. Don't fuss about it. Pray about it. It said pray for those in power, you see. Pray for those. Think about, I, I want you, as you sit here right now, I want you to think about the one or two people in Washington, D.C. that from the standpoint of, of what your values are and what you believe the Bible to teach and what their values are, that they're just so totally opposite that you almost despise them, okay? I want you to think about that. And I want you to make a mental note of those people. And tonight, before you lay your head down on your pillow, I want you to pray, Lord, be with them. Be with them. Turn their hearts as you turn the heart of the kings like the rivers of the waters. Don't fuss about it. Pray about it, you see. Now listen, I'm, I'm preaching to you the things that I struggle with, okay? I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of, 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 of hollering at the TV, okay? I am. But that's not what the scripture says. In kingdom living, is that he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You see, here's the thing about what we see going on in this world. If we believe the scripture to be true, and I do, and I know you do, then God has a people in every kindred and nation and tongue and tribe. And he has, his people are, with, or it's a number that no man can number. It's a vast multitude that no man can number. And so if you want to kind of start adding up the numbers of all those that are being faithful, and that are, that are solid, church-going, you know, biblical foundation folks, that's a minority, isn't it? So you know what that tells me? It tells me that some of the people that are caught up in these wicked lifestyles some of the people that are promoting these wicked things are children of God. You know, I, I, I don't want to just pick on any one particular sin because let me just say this. 
all sin is hateful in the sight of God, okay? But you and I both know that the biggest thing being promoted out there right now is a homosexual, transgender, all this stuff that's being promoted, and that, that agenda is what's being in our face right now, okay? But you know, in my day, back 25, 30, 40, well, it's longer than that, 40 or 50 years ago, that wasn't in vogue, you see? And the worst thing you could do in my day was call somebody gay, you know, and that would, that would start a fight. That wasn't the end thing. That wasn't popular, okay? Well, guess what? Today it's popular. Today it's the end thing. And so these kids that go to college and they want to fit in, now they're, uh, they're tempted over into that lifestyle. And you, you, you say, well, I never would have done that, and I don't can't imagine it but I'm telling you beloved the kids today are facing things that none of us ever faced and I believe there's some of God's children get deceived into that kind of lifestyle you see so you see our job is not to go shoot them <laughs> our job is to proclaim the truth because my people are destroyed why for lack of knowledge and you know what that means child of God that means you and I better have the knowledge we need from the word of God to share with them what the truth is. You see, it's not just, oh, they're ignorant. They don't know. Beloved, we don't need to be ignorant. We need to be prepared to speak the truth in love to them in whatever way it may come about. We're going to get into some of that if we continue on this little series here because one of the first things we're told to murder or to mortify is fornication. And that's a category of fornication. But before, as we get started here, just remember this too. My job as pastor and the job of any minister, as Ezekiel says, is to be a watchman on the wall. Some of these things I don't like to preach about. I don't like to even talk about. But I've got a job to do. I've got a duty to proclaim the danger that's coming, to warn you and the children out there and the young folks and the older folks of the dangers of unbiblical thinking and the dangers of allowing that to intrude into our lives. Listen, this message to, today to you is not about them out there. It's about us in here and what we need to do to be prepared to carry that message out there to those little lost sheep of God that are struggling in some of these areas. Remember, child of God, is a blood-bought, regenerated gospel-taught child of God, you and I can never be satisfied with the things the world has to offer. I don't care where you go or what you do. If you've been born of the Spirit, you've been taught of the Lord, especially those of us that have heard the truth of God's sovereign grace, you will never be satisfied with anything less. You may can numb it down and, and, and get used to something else, but you will ne your soul will never be fed with anything but the truth of God and of His Word. And that's the kind of compassion we need to have on those out there to carry the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God, which is the only message that will satisfy you. So let's, let's get into this chapter here after we've laid that long introduction. In chapter 3 of Colossians, notice what he says. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. 
For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, verse 5 is what I want to get to, but these four verses lay the groundwork here. In fact, the first two chapters plus these four verses lay the groundwork. One of the things you'll find the Apostle Paul does in most of his writing, especially in Colossians and also in the book of Ephesians, is he'll take the first half of the book, so to speak, and he'll talk about the foundational doctrines. And then he'll take the last half of the book and he'll apply those doctrines in a way that tells us what we need to be doing in our lives. So here he reminds us of some things here in these first four verses. For the first four verses remind us who we are and what we have in Christ. Notice, first he reminds us where we are. Verse 1, we are risen with Christ. Have you been born again this morning? Have you felt the pull of the Spirit? Do, you, do these, do these uh, things of God interest you? You know, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. So if you're not interested, I understand that. But, but that, 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 means, that, that can mean you're not born again. It can also mean, by the way, that you've gotten so far away that you've sort of uh, uh, hid that down. If you feed the human nature uh, so much that you can put down the spiritual nature, you'll never die and go to hell, but you can die to the kingdom of God, so to speak in this world, you can, you can lose your interest in those things. But, uh, but be that as it may, if, you, if your heart has been tendered, if you've been born of the Spirit, you now can receive the things of the Spirit of God. And in a sense here, as he puts it, you are risen with Christ. You are no longer where you were. We are with Christ. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. See, we are risen with Christ. That means we are now sitting with Christ. And that means we are on the right hand of God. You see, we're where Christ is. He reminds them where they are. Where are we? We are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Back over in Romans chapter 6. Gives us a little detail, a little insight here. Paul is writing to the Romans in chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me just stop there and say that that's one of the common accusations that we get as those who believe in the sovereign grace of God. And as those who believe that it's not about what we do, that we don't work our way to heaven, that we, we don't uh, uh, do enough good works or make enough right choices to get us to heaven, we believe it's all of God that he purposed from before the foundation of the world, that he would save his people from their sins, and he did that, and we can never lose that salvation. And I hear people sometimes, they'll say, well, if I believe that way, I'd sin all I wanted to. You know, I find it funny that it's only the people that don't believe the way we do that say that that's what they would do. <laughs> you ever notice that? I, I know I've shared this with you before. One of my favorite statements about this, Elder Sonny Piles uh, said one time that a person came to him and said, Brother Sonny, if, uh, uh, if I believe the way you did, I'd sin all I wanted to. And he said, he said, ma'am, I've got you beat. He said, I believe the way I do and I sin more than I want to. <laughs> See? There's something changed in our hearts. See, we don't believe in that hollow log theory of the, of the new birth either. That, old, that theory that the new birth's like a rabbit running through a hollow log, that uh, it runs through there and doesn't change anything. You know, that's not what we believe. There's a change. There's something new. There's something different when we've been born of the Spirit. 
And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The first response he gives is, God forbid. No, if you take that approach, you have gone so far off of the teachings of the Lord that you need to get back on track, you see. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We who were once dead in our sins, we were dead in our sins, now we're dead to our sins. And because of that, we have the ability to live in newness of life. He says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? You know, that's what baptism is. It's not, it's not putting you there in, in, in Christ, but it's because you're in Christ. You're showing forth that you have been buried in the waters of baptism and you've come forth into newness of life. See, that's why we believe in immersion as a proper mode of baptism. Because you wouldn't, somebody dies, you wouldn't take him out there and lay him on top of the ground and sprinkle a little dirt on him, would you? No. You wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be a proper burial. We believe in immersion because that's the way, that's the proper kind of burial. We are put under the ground or away, you're closed up, you see. He was baptized and we are, we are baptized into Christ in the sense that because we've been born again, we should follow him in New Testament baptism. And when we take that baptism candidate down into the water, into the watery grave, so to speak, and bring him back up, then that's and evidence, that's a symbol rather, that we are now dead to the old man. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, we who were dead in sins are now dead to sin, and we ought to walk in newness of life. Now that doesn't mean that our sin nature is gone, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it does mean we have a new nature that really never sins. Do you know that? You know there's something in you, if you've been born again, that is, is as pure and holy as Jesus Christ himself. And boy, that's hard for me to say. When I say that, it's like, oh man, I can't, knowing myself and how I am, I can't imagine that. But see, the problem is, that that's not the only thing within us. We have that nature within us that's pure and holy as Christ himself, but we also have that old man, that old human nature, that old Adamic nature that's just as corrupt, just as sinful, just as sin-cursed as it ever was. That's all we had before we were born again. That's all we had, and we were perfectly at home here in this world. But after that we've been born again, we now have that struggle going on in our hearts, that struggle going on inside of us with that pure nature and that sin-cursed nature. And someone said one time, how, you know, which one wins out? And, and I've, I've told you the story before uh, that, that uh, it's, a, it's the one you feed. It's whatever nature you feed, you see. You'll never lose it. You'll never, we don't believe you'll ever not be, you know, nobody's ever unborn. You know, if you've ever been born, you're not un ever unborn. You'll never lose it and die and go to hell. But I'll tell you this, you can cover it up and you can feed that old man and that old man will outweigh that new man every time. We need to feed that new man. And see, you got to remember, we are here in the presence of the king. Think about this. If you were going to go sit down with the president of the United States or the, or the king of England, we... Some, some of you may have seen, I saw a portion of the coronation yesterday. When they brought the king, the new soon-to-be king in, King Charles, 
he was robed in all these this beautiful garments and everybody there I didn't see one person walk in with an old raggedy hat and you know unwashed clothes and shamble up there to where he was everybody that attended that coronation was was dressed as well as they could dress and I'm fact in fact I'm sure there were some that didn't go because they couldn't they didn't have the right kind of garments if you're going to go sit down, you wouldn't wear your dirty, ripped-up jeans that you've been slopping the hogs with, would you? Going into the presence of the, of the king of England or the president or somebody like that. And it's the same, here's the same spiritual principle, child of God. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.